I want to win again for sure, but like my next goal is, is Bathurst. Now that uh, emphasis on that raises and I need to try and get that done. When I first took over the team at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, uh, weren't especially rosy, but we managed to win a, a race with Chaz Mostert that year in, in July and I thought, gee, this caper's bloody easy. Hey, I'm David Reynolds from Penrite Racing and this is Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock here for another interesting week uh, in the world of supercars and beyond. Craig, um, there's a lot of things happening uh, before we get the cars head to Darwin. Um, you've had some interesting conversations at Winton, I understand. Yes, there's been a bit of talk and whispers in the background about the future of Townsville. And uh, I noticed that Tom Howard... He's uh, following up that story with the Queensland government saying they're looking into funding to uh, all the supercar events. And, uh, yeah, the whispers I were getting is that it wasn't looking overly positive, but uh, we all hope, I think, that the Townsville of Reed Park Circuit can uh, stay on the calendar after celebrating, what was it, its 10th year last year. But I'm also mindful of the fact that Rocky is building a... A uh, permanent facility, and uh, you know there is a lot of merit in support for a permanent circuit. Uh, a lot of economic support for uh, 365 days, as opposed to the four days that a temporary facility puts up. So uh, we'll watch the Queensland space because the Gold Coast is also up for renewal, and if there's a shrinking pool of uh, money available then, as the speculation was last time, and they both got refunded, could we have a situation where the government will decide over regional North Queensland over uh, South East Queensland? Um, it's a difficult Indeed. position, but Indeed. it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But uh, we have got a situation here where we've a series that is heavily, heavily supported by governments right across the country. All right. Now, I understand uh, this week's show has got uh, a conversation you had with Betty Clemenko and the uh, positioning of a uh, supercar team in Sydney, which hasn't happened since the days of Lansvale and before that, Wayne Gardeners. It hasn't been a town that takes the supercar teams, but that's an interesting conversation. I'm sure that uh, will show us a little bit of insight into the world of Betty Clemenko and, and Erebus Motorsport. So that's an interesting conversation. Another one on this week's show is Alex Premat. The first time we've had a chance to touch to him, which we did after his uh, run on uh, Friday, I believe it would have been. No, Saturday. Um, that uh, certainly his life uh, in Nevada and Las Vegas, it's an interesting change for the Frenchman yet again. Yeah, um, and... Uh, certainly we, an insight. We spoke about a lot more than just uh, racing too. We spoke about his life over there and, and what it's like living just off the... Uh, the seedy strip of Vegas, which was an enjoyable chat to have with him. He's a, a very, very, uh, you know, effervescent personality to uh, chat with. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing him back with Scott McLaughlin throughout the Endurance Cup. Indeed. This week's news items include uh, the fact that FPR, or Tickford Racing, as it is now known, is uh, having a fridge clean-out and selling off the back first winning car from 2000. Interesting they're selling that car. I mean, I would have thought that there was some merit in keeping your history close. Not, not so. They're selling it off. A um, couple of items that uh, 
Uh, worth considering. Um, this control parts uh, is uh, the, the shockers being out for tender. I mean, it's no done deal by any stretch. There must several of the heavy hitters involved, and it's just a starting point on it. There are some parties uh, involved in it who are quite against it, believing it'll uh, put another death knell in the series. Um, while there are others who say, unless you do this, the series will die. So there's an interesting uh, start to both aspects of that. And somewhere in the and, middle uh, is obviously uh, the truth. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, and, you know, are there any parties involved who uh, will gain financially from us? That'll be interesting in itself. With uh, 10 of the 14 races this year won by Scott McLaughlin and, uh, well, it's actually 11 of 14, isn't it? have been won by DJR Tim Penske. With uh, Fabian winning uh, one at, uh, where was it? Where did he win one of the races? In Tasmania? It was, wasn't it? Perth, was it? Right. Um, You know, has the will of the opposition been broken? I mean, it certainly uh, seems that Triple Eight could end up having their worst season since uh, probably 05 when they started in their journey. It certainly seems that a lot of people are not talking about getting anywhere near the podium at the end of the year. Would you agree there? I definitely don't agree because you've got so many races where, you know, uh, there's 300 points up for grabs and you have a bad day there, you really do take a hit. Um, it's just a mindset thing that I've, I've seen uh, almost right from Adelaide. There's been a, an air of defeatist uh, attitude or a defeatist attitude across the across certain parts of the of the pit lane um naturally enough well, it, it's interesting yeah it's certainly interesting when you think about it. i mean i think it was jamie that made mention of the fact that uh, not even the, not that he talked about it in these terms but you know not even he in his seven times champ role ever won 10 of the first races or you know 10 of the first 14 races um, very dominant display by that driver in particular. Um, you'd have to uh, say that uh, it's, it's very dispiriting if you're competing against them. Yeah, um, and it, it doesn't matter when you line up against them too. Are you beaten before you even start? Is the, is the mind yeah, saying, these cars are that much better than what I've got, I'm not in the hunt? And then you miss the start and, and become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, or... Something happens in pit lane, and the the crew is on such tender hooks that they must do everything so perfectly. Of course, the mistake happens, and once again, the prophecy fulfills itself. All right. Well, after the break, we'll be hearing from Betty Clemenko and uh, well, maybe her thoughts and other thoughts of uh, hers on things beyond Sydney and her team in Sydney. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock from 
Truck Assist Techno Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Betty Kalingo, over the years we've heard talk about supercars wanting to have a team that is co-located with their headquarters in Sydney. Logic would dictate that they might speak to the car owner who actually is lived in, based in Sydney. The yeah, majority I, of her life. I actually thought that that would be the, the way to go, but I haven't spoken to them about it. But I did try to do it myself years ago, and the logistics involved in having a Sydney team are huge. The, from the, you know, the housing market, the just living in Sydney itself. I mean, you would have people having to drive from the Central Coast because that's all they could afford. And you're talking about an hour and a half, two hours every day, and that's just wrong. So, it's. It, I would love to see a Sydney team because I'm, you know, I'm very proud to be from Sydney. But I don't know if it'll ever come about unless someone's prepared to put in a lot of money. Obviously, supercars have an interest because at the moment, if they get someone to their headquarters, they can't. Unlike AFL, NRL can take them to a club and show them what a club looks like, show them what that all looks like right at their doorstep. That is something that Sydney lacks. They can't do a ride day, for argument's sake, uh, because there's no cars, there's no teams to show off if they're trying to court someone from their head office. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, they would be better off having a showroom-type place where they show what a garage looks like and on the screen they show what it's what the racing's like so they get the atmosphere. But... I would love to see a team in Sydney. That would really, it would be good for the sport, but I just don't know how much Sydney would appreciate it because they're, they're not real motorsport fans in Sydney. You have your odd pockets here and there, but mostly, mostly they're soccer and uh, football. So it would be lovely. It's a lovely thought. What, when you were considering it, and this was what, in the early days of you taking over Stone Brothers? Uh, no, it was more of the changeover from Stone Brothers, well, not Stone Brothers, but the AMGs to Holden before we moved to Melbourne. So what, what was the kicker at that case? You had a GT program in Melbourne, and so it was co-locating. Yeah, but it was, was still, uh, we owned the building, that, but we knew it was too small. So we either had to go and buy a new building in Melbourne, and I suggested, why don't we look at doing it in Sydney? If we're going to buy something, let's see if we can do Sydney. So we did the homework, we did, uh, we did everything, and the price difference was around eight times difference. And it was like, no, nah, we're going to Melbourne. And how close to... I mean, Sydney, the closest factory you could get for the same price that I bought the one in um, Dan, South Dandenong would be, oh, I don't know, two, three hours away from the heart of Sydney. And that's it's logistically not, not even thinkable. Now... At your core is the purity of motor racing. How do you find this season where we've seen car changes and event changes and even logistics? You are paying to bring people up and you sat around all day Friday. I'm not... Look, I'm, I must admit, I, I see it as a year of... I actually said to somebody, it feels like, you know, we're all, we're all pretending to uh, get ready for next year because with the parody thing going on and the difference in the, the way we qualify and every, everything's all of a sudden different. Too many changes at one time for my liking. And um, I just feel like the year could have been better spent just doing a few things that how the fan loved it. What? Because even uh, Perth 
went from a one-day event to a three-day event effectively overnight. I didn't go to Perth because I actually thought, why would I go all the way from Sydney to Perth for a night race, basically? It just didn't, wasn't, you know, I spoke to fans and they said, no, we're not going to Perth. And they usually went to Perth every year. The TV was great and everything else, but people weren't going to spend all the same amount of money for what was basically one or two night night, uh, night racing. And some of them had children and a lot of people love to take their kids during the day and they've got traditions and everything else and it's just gone. I don't, I'm not a fan of night racing though. It looks good. I just get, I get tired because we're up the same time, we're at the track the same time, but it's just a very long day. Can the business afford to just have the main game at a race for five hours, one day, night? No. No, we can't. Not, not even in merch and everything else. We need to to be able to sell our brand to sponsors, to to the fan, and we don't get the time. If we only have a few hours, it doesn't compute in the same way. We, like people come here, like for instance, they'll walk around to merch, they'll look at a jacket, they try it on, they walk away. They go back, they go. They, that's what the whole weekend's about. And then they'll go back and pay their, you know, couple of hundred dollars for a jacket that is their pride and joy for the next, you know, 12 months. It, if you rush them, they, they won't do it. They just won't do it. Well, V8 fans are V8 fans. doesn't matter if you can call them anything you want, but they're still V8 fans, and that's what they want to see in here. Whether they'll see enough of it if we change to different... Um, in different ways we do the series, I don't know. I don't know if they want that many changes. Uh, I try to read all the forums and, you know find out which what they're thinking and I do answer back but it's hard I, I was actually talking to someone today and I said you know seven years ago we used to have a lot of fun and it seems that they're just taking out that time that we used to ha- we used to have and I'm you know now I don't mind missing out on a on a round because I know it's like I'm not going to Darwin because it's too hot I used to push myself to go but now it's like yeah I'm not going to go to Darwin I'll go to I'll go to Townsville well, the one thing over the last couple of years when you haven't been able to make a race, it's been interesting viewing for the Erebus fans. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. Are you talking about me? I'm talking about when you can't go, at least you get to watch it and the team's oh, yeah. doing well. Oh, yeah, the team. I'm, no, I've got a habit of throwing popcorn at the screen because we've got this big screen at home that Daniel puts on. And if Dave's not doing well or something happened or, you know, they've given them a penalty, I'll just get a whole handful of popcorn, just throw it and start screaming at the screen. Um, I think that's just a little bit more fun, fun sometimes, you know. If I bought popcorn here and tried to throw it at the car, I'd get into, you know, a lot of trouble. But Barry wouldn't see that very well. Well, I don't know. I think he wouldn't see it well, but then he would laugh about it because, you know, you get a fine, you get a fine. You know, might as well have fun with it. Betty, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure. After the break, we'll be hearing from Alex Primer and his new life in Las Vegas. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. 
So it's, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Will Brown, co-driver of the Penrite Racing number 99 car for Anton Di Pasquale. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here, very lucky to have caught Alex Premer back in Australia. Um, you were obviously flown across the Atlantic and across the Pacific coming to this country. You must be glad to be back here again. Yeah, of course, yeah. I've been uh, flying here yeah, from uh, Las Vegas yeah, uh, five days ago. I'm really happy yeah, to be in Winton, in uh, sunshine Winton today. No, this is pretty good. Really happy yeah, to, to be back in, uh, in my uh, third country because, I mean, I'm from France. So I've been born in France. I've been living in Australia for three years when I was doing the, the main series. And now I'm living in America, so I mean, uh, I still have a, a big, um, a big hurt from Australia, Melbourne, Gold Coast, uh, Brisbane, all those big cities. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah. When did you first have contact? How did it come about that you came here and drove for Gary? Yeah, well, um, good friend of uh, Simon Pagno. Uh, he did yep. uh, the enduro uh, races in Gold Coast. I remember was I think 2011. Uh, for the for the international co-drivers and uh, I think we were like in Shanghai doing like a sport car race and he said oh yeah Alex yeah, you should uh, speak with Gary Roger I mean he's looking maybe for a new driver next year I mean he's like an I mean an Australian driver or he's like an European driver so then I jump on the on the on the email phone call and uh, I mean yeah, I got I got to drive at the GRM in 2012, so I was kind of happy yeah, to be to be here. It was not the e- easiest uh, way to start Viet Supercar because I mean the team was still good with uh, Caruso, uh, but yeah, I mean at that time yeah, uh, FPR and Triple um, Eight yeah they were like just like flying uh, yeah. alongside yeah, all the races, so there was like a, a kind of hard learning curve but yeah I'm, st- I'm still here after like seven eight years so i'm pretty happy about that yeah well one of the happy associations you made was with scotty and obviously you know as a teammate you you enjoyed some t- fun times with him nice young bloke and you learned things from him and probably taught him a few things yeah of course yeah when i uh, first met uh, scotty was uh, through fujitsu uh, we were doing like some chip building fujitsu 2012 when i was like uh, racing with caruso in the in jerem uh, team and I met him, and uh, I mean, he was driving on the DVAs. And then after that, yeah, I collapsed uh, in um, Homebush. In Homebush. Yep. So then he took my drive. And then from that, yeah, we've been teammates the, the year after at GRM. But yeah, I mean, he, he's been a champ since he drove the first time with me. I say, hey, Norris, yeah, you will be champ, yeah, for sure, yeah, in one day, which would happen last year. He could have come a little bit earlier but yeah good blog good friend yeah since since then i've been yeah driving with him at the volvo at the dgr team penske so i mean he's a good kid uh we've been uh racing alongside it together like it's our fifth year or six years yeah but yeah just having fun yeah driving with him a really good friend yeah your life took a couple of direction changes. One, obviously, when you came to Australia and what, when you met all these blokes with these mad accents and how do I understand them? But then the next one came when you left Australia and now you're living in Las Vegas. Tell us about your world there. Yeah, well, uh, when I moved from uh, Australia, so I need to, to find another uh, challenge to do. Uh, I had a friend who has a big GT driving experience in Las Vegas, one of the biggest ones. He has like yeah, 60 uh, luxury cars and is renting into Vegas 
I mean, there there is like about uh, thirty thousand to forty thousand customer coming every year. Wow. Yeah, it's Gosh. it's it's pretty a big big jig uh, set up in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. The name is Exotic Racing, and he asked me yeah, to to come uh, abroad yeah, to do like a. Um, to build like a spec series on the west coast yeah with the EXR series so with like some small midget cars which we we did uh, that w- that was pretty nice and then from there uh yeah that was like very challenging yeah for me that was kind of a transition from being racing car driver yeah to be managing a team and the last two years yeah I've been building my team in Indianapolis in GT4 and the last winter I moved my whole team uh, back to Vegas. So yeah. now I'm team owner in Las Vegas. So I'm running two Audi TCR, one Mercedes GT4, one sport car. So it's very different. Yeah, What I've been uh, doing the last uh, 15 years, just racing and just concentrate and things like this. Yeah, now it's like just more logistic, uh, uh, managing people, uh, looking after the right people, uh, engineers, mechanics, and, and all of that. And Honestly, I feel that yeah, very helpful yeah, for me yeah, for for the next step of my uh, transition of of racing. So I just love it. Yeah. How hard is it for a racing driver to be able to choose the next star racing driver that you want in your team? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, it's always hard yeah, because you need to to find the drivers who are the found and the sponsor and all of that. What what I do right now, it's more like um, coaching more like gentleman drivers that they want to. To come like a, not a race car driver, but have fun hobbies during the, the weekend off. So that's mainly this. After that, yeah, if I can push a little bit more further and do like yeah, pro racing, like IMSA or World Challenge, yeah, with like uh, constructor and like big names, yeah, for sure, yeah, I, I, I will do that. Yeah. Last weekend we have TCR Australia kick off, and obviously with an interest in TCR, how uh, how are you looking at how that series is developing worldwide? I mean, worldwide, yeah, you can see that the TCR, uh, I mean, it's getting, yeah, uh, huge, yeah. I mean, with the WTCR, all the manufacturers, all the teams that they are involved in that series, I mean, it's good. I mean, the, the car, they are not costing a lot. The maintenance, it's it's pretty average. Uh, doesn't cost a lot, too. And, uh, yeah, they are racing all around the world. They are going to Macau. They are they want to come to Bathurst, uh, do, like, a, a special event. They do the... The 24th of uh, Spa, I think it's September, I think it's called Spa 500 or something like this. They are more and more involved and all the, the young drivers, they want to get there because it's kind of a touring car platform, which is really good, where you can go from TCR to V8 or you can go to TCR to DTM. But it's kind of a, a good platform yeah, for, for people who want to do like more specific touring car. Do you drive in TCR at all? Yeah, I, I do some races in TCR in, uh, in America, but it's more like NASA races. Right. So it's more like uh, amateur races, but still, yeah, uh, just to, to keep up, yeah, uh, with the speed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a very exciting debut of the series in Australia. Um, you know, there were 16, 17 cars and, uh, and a pretty good driving field. And that's an important part of it, of course. No, no, for sure. I mean, the car, they're looking nice. They're really nice to drive. I mean, it's a front-wheel drive, yeah, so for sure there is, like, uh, you don't feel uh, that the car is like snap over sea yeah, because it's a front wheel drive. So as soon as you push a little bit too much, you get either wheel spin or the car is pulling away from the line. But yeah, all the drivers, they like it. The racing is good because it's tight. Uh, I, th- I think, uh, I mean, TCR and GT4, that's the the new series that uh, in terms of racing, yeah, which is good for, for amateur or for like young 
people who wants to be involved yeah, in and the racing. Control costs. Exactly, yeah, the control costs, yeah, it's, a, it's a big factor now in racing and those two cars, yeah, I mean those two series, yeah, it's, it's perfect, yeah. Now, I'm sure you subscribe to the belief that happy wife, happy life. You've got a wife and two daughters. So you've taken them from Australia to Las Vegas. It's a very different climate, not exactly the temperature-wise, but the living environment of Las Vegas to where you were in, say, Melbourne. Tell us about moving there with your wife and children. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, when you're, like, uh, putting Vegas to Melbourne, yeah, the, the lifestyle is very different. I mean, Melbourne, yeah, uh, the weather is good, but, yeah, you get some rain, very windy, but at least, yeah, you're still living on the on the coast, yeah, where the beach and, 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 and the sun and, and everything, yeah, which my life, yeah, uh, which, which my uh, wife, Cleo, yeah, she just loves, yeah, being, uh, living in, in Melbourne. Uh, but honestly, um, I would saw that uh, that living in Las Vegas would have been harder than what I've thought. But honestly, uh, right now we have yeah really good setup there. The two kids they are going to school, American school. Unfortunately, we don't have any French school, but still they are making uh, French lessons yeah uh, with a teacher every week. So, but the lifestyle, honestly, in Vegas is good. I mean, it's sunny every day of the year. Uh, we have maybe three or four days of rain yeah per year, which is pretty low. Um, summer. You don't have a grass that you yeah. have to cut, do you, either? I mean, honestly, if I would show you the picture of where I'm living, I'm living on the grass, yeah, because we are living on the golf course, yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we are living in, the, in a nice ranch community, so which is good. But after that, yeah, we are living in Anderson, which is like, yeah, 10 minutes away from Las Vegas, 15 minutes from the, uh, 15 minutes from the airport, 20 minutes from the strip. So we don't feel all that... Uh, uh, crowds from tourist tourist yeah. people so there is a really uh in internal life uh, local life which yep. is good and yeah uh, los angeles is like 45 minutes away uh, just flight yeah so we have a lot of friends here yeah, from when i grew up here yeah, in france they are living there so yeah we are going um yeah once a month uh, in los angeles or san diego or chicago or new york yeah there is plenty uh, things to do in uh, in america yeah. Apart from coming down here to drive, which I'm sure that Bathurst would be a, a high each year to come and do, have you done any other international races? Uh, this year, you mean? Any any year, sort yeah. of recently. Uh, I mean, recently, yeah. I mean, I, I just do, like, more national races in America. So I, I will be racing yeah, before Bathurst, yeah, Laguna Seca, Portland, Sonoma, right. Watkins Glen. Some good road yeah, courses. Yes, some good road courses uh, in IMSA and World Challenge. Yeah. So everything, yeah, uh, will be pretty clear that, yeah, I will be... Pretty pretty nice uh, prepare for batters, yeah. But for sure, yeah. I mean, for all the crew drivers, and yeah, it's gonna be uh, more task, yeah, for for that race, yeah, because I mean, you, you will feel yeah more pressure, yeah. We are coming into batters, yeah, for the first Euro Cup, but you know, uh, as a pro driver, yeah, you know what you have to do when you go to Le Mans, yeah. That's the same thing in 24th of Le Mans, yeah. You have the car, you have the right team, yeah. You need to do what you have to be, yeah. So there's no more pressure. We joked at the beginning about here in sunny Winton but when you're growing up and racing all through Europe there's plenty of Wintons in Europe we just don't know them have you got a few tracks that remind you Winton and the the location of Winton remind you of yeah of, of course yeah there's a lot of yeah uh, race track in Germany in France in uh, in UK that yeah there are like small track like Winton I mean I know that in France yeah we have uh, Le Denon or we have like Crown Ternois which is like two hours from Paris and Small, small, small track, yeah, which is like maybe uh, 2.5 uh, kilometers, so really small. But yeah, the same. I mean, it's uh, 
uh, uh, at the end, yeah, Winton, yeah, it's really good, yeah, because for the spectator, for the fans, I mean, it's one track, but you can see all the corners, yeah, which is good, yeah. Were you in DTM when they did the stadium race, or had you left DTM? No, no, I, I, I didn't do that one, yeah. You didn't? No. But the stadium idea is where motorsport it seems to be going, doesn't it? To try and get more and more viewing spots. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the stadium. What they did with the DTM was like kind of race of champion. The the the, the same thing. So th- that was pretty cool. Yeah, what they did. Uh, I mean, the AC, we have the ACC, uh, ACC, the Super Stadium truck in in America, which is pretty huge. Yeah, with the big trucks yeah, jumping uh, on the on those uh, ramps. Uh, I have some few friends here, yeah, like Bill Hines, who's doing this. Yeah, American people who still racing with us in, in my team in America. So it's it's always nice yeah, to see those, those things. But I mean, uh, yeah, Formula One is Formula One, sport car is sport car, and V8 supercar is supercar. But I mean, when you see yeah, the supercar, I just yeah love it. Yeah, the racing. I mean, even from America, I'm following the uh, supercar superview uh, just to follow yeah all the qualification, all the races. And even the commentators like uh, Scafi and Greg and, and all the, the other guys, yeah, they are doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And uh, nicely all the European drivers like uh, German, French, they are watching more and more Viet Supercar because, yeah, I mean, it's a series that grew up a lot in, in Australia. But, yeah, there was not so many followers before. Because, yeah, the TV, the things and the drivers, but, yeah, now it's getting huge, yeah. So that's why that all the drivers, they want to go to come to Bathurst 12 hours and, yeah, get, get more on, on that, yeah. Have you got plans to be doing something like the 12 hour? Yeah, I mean, I never planned because, I mean, I mean for sure, if, if one team yeah, will call me, yeah, I will go. But, yeah, no one contact me and I'm not the guy that uh, will Chases. call. Yeah. Ex- exactly, yeah, so. Have you got another trip planned for Bathurst this year? Uh, no, I will come before Bathurst, maybe 10 days before when we do our big test day uh, before Bathurst. There will be like a one full day uh, going through all the process yeah, uh, for, for Bathurst race. But uh, yeah, so far so good. Yeah, uh, I mean, yesterday I had the test, I had a blast yeah, driving the first time on the car and car felt good. Uh, good feedback, yeah, uh, good feeling. So yeah, looking forward. Yeah. Can, was it significantly different to the FGX? Well, it's hard to say right now, I will say, yeah, because, uh, I mean, there was like two laps on the dry condition. I was bedding brakes, so I don't say it's uh, kind of, uh, can say that. You're a now, you yeah, see, you know, correct. go and bed some brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex, are you ready to, yeah. break, to bed some brakes? I come from America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, on the, on the wet condition, uh, the car felt pretty good, yeah, very predictable and same as, yeah, the last two years, but yeah, we will see in uh, in the real test day uh, in Ipswich and at Bathurst, yeah, I'm just yeah, waiting on Bathurst yeah, because, I mean, the car looks nice, looks plenty of downforce, yeah, so we will see here. Can we cast your mind back to the first time you went to Bathurst and you did a track walk before you drove it? Or maybe you had a drive around with the team, did they yes. take you around? Richard first Holway. time, like 2012, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard drove you around and started telling you, yeah. that's where Scapey put it in and, and that's where Murph did it. And exactly, and I uh, remember it was like uh, Jack Perkins also, yeah, so, and uh, also, yeah, Max Scapey, I remember after that. Actually, yeah, you know what, the first lap I did, uh, I think... I did a lap here yeah, with Richard and with Max Caffey yeah, on the car, on the road car. Yeah, it yeah. was, uh, okay, you are going to do that, upshifted there. Yeah, there was, like, so many information. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't want to say I was lost, but I was trying just to to catch, to chase, yeah, all those information. But yeah, and first year was pretty hard in batters, yeah, because you you want to perform, but you don't want to crash, you know. So I was trying to learn as much as I could. But that was a good first year, and all the other years, yeah. I mean, I felt that, yeah, I fit pretty well to batters. I love, yeah, those uh, challenging tracks, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun actually walking it and, and remembering the scenes of, I mean, obviously having driven it now, you know, what's that, six times that you've driven Bathurst, um, that you have strong strong memories of each of the times you've been there. Yeah, of course, yeah, from 2012 yeah, to 18, yeah, six, seven uh, participation in, in Bathurst. But, yeah, I remember, yeah, all the years more or less, yeah, when... Uh, we had some trouble or no trouble, or but yeah, Batos is the big race. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty huge, it's pretty unique, it's uh, it's very mythic. Yeah, for the fans, for the drivers. I mean you can feel the pressure even in testing. I mean there is those big walls uh, going through the mountains. Yeah, so there is no no room for for mistake. But I mean the adrenaline yeah, uh, on that track is very uh, magic. Yeah, very unique. Yeah. You mentioned before you're coming over ten days before, but previously you'd come over six or seven days before Sandown. Is this giving you a, a different mindset, or is it is it that easy just to come over? Let's Bathurst. It doesn't matter. It's just another job. Yeah, exactly. It's another job. I mean, you know what? I mean, you could come to Bathurst the day before, uh, but it depends how you want uh, to be successful over there. So there is kind of a preparation. So either you do the preparation before Bathurst or before either Winton or you don't do it. So it's a, it's a easier way. But uh, I'm kind of person, yeah, especially with Triple uh, Eight and uh, DJ Tim Pensky the last few years, yeah, the preparation has been pretty huge, especially on those big uh, uh, teams. You know, on the, on, the other, on the other teams, yeah, maybe they're doing the same preparation right now, but they are kind of far behind. And I think, yeah, uh, we are working a lot on simulation stuff and things like this just to memorize uh, visualization and walking and working and, and try to speak a bit more about yeah, what we can improve. And, and I think it's so important. Yeah. The preparation is uh, the main things, but for sure, like in battles, yeah, even like this weekend, uh, uh, this week yeah, before coming here, I went to the workshop doing some uh, yeah, driving simulation. I went to Bathurst, yeah, with the with the car and the simulation. I did like... Uh, three, four times, yeah, 30 laps in a row, stint, without doing any mistake, without, without touching any walls, things like this. You know, it's kind of preparation. It's not to be just uh, fast, but, yeah, try to making sure you, you, you don't touch those things, yeah, just for your mind, that you don't want that that happen. Is, do you use the simulation for just the muscle memory? I do this, I do that, or are you doing it actually to learn more about racing? No, no, no. It's more like about the muscles memory, anticipation, how you move the steering, upshifting, yeah, where you're braking, all, all of that. And I mean, just making your process also work in your mind, because I mean, when you're in simulation and doing like 206, uh, for example, you want to do like a 2058, you know, and when you do like 2458, you want to do like 256, yeah. So you're pushing your limits. So it's challenging. Yeah, Just say, OK, what can I do better? You know, in so short time, and then it's the process working good. Yeah. When was the first time you were on a simulator? Do you remember what year, sort of roughly? Uh, you mean like uh, the first time you actually? First used time it? I drove. Uh, I mean, uh, on the simulation, I think it was like 2008 or nine. Okay. Yeah, that was with a uh, RT uh, Grand Prix yep. uh, because they have a big jig in uh, in Paris. So. Yep. 
Now that all the drivers that uh, who does Le Mans, yeah, they need to go through that simulation. So that's, so that's a ten-year experience. Yeah, ten-year experience. You've driven a yeah. lot of laps. Yeah, and a lot of places. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah. all the all the simulator, simulator, they are kind of different from one team to another yeah. team. So you need to adapt yeah, yourself. But I mean, it's it's really good yeah, to keep your mind uh, pretty pretty how warm. You, how do you go? Because most simulators are set up for paddle shift. Yeah. Do you have a stick that you can use to practice your gear change? No, I don't. I have a simulator, but yeah, I just have the paddle shift. Yeah, so that's why I'm not trying to work too much on the V8 stuff in battles. But I'm I'm pick up I pick up like a Mercedes, for example, and I drive the Mercedes on battles. But even if you're fast faster, I, I think it's good. I mean, uh, three months ago, I had a challenge with a friend, uh, Tristan Vautier, an IndyCar driver and Mercedes driver. So we had a challenge in Norschleife in simulation with the Formula One. Uh, and then the, 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 the challenge was to beat the um, Team Oberna uh, lap timing, which we did because we did 510. But 510 in Noschleife, everything goes so fast. Yeah, yeah. And then, like two, three days after, I, I text uh, Shane von Gisbergen because he's a big fan of simulation. I say, hey, can you do better? He said, okay, what kind of setup? And blah, blah, blah. So I, I told him all the setup. And then he beat me by just a small margin. But it's fun. It's yeah. it's challenging, you know. So okay, I can do it, and and you're just trying to make the perfect lap. And even like five ten, honestly, in Norshaf with the Formula One, at middle of the the, the the track, I mean, everything is like so fast. Yeah. So even your your mind is sometimes kind of blue, blurry sometimes. But yes. you just need to reset and making sure that you can finish that lap without doing any mistake. And, and I, you've got two daughters. How old are they? Yeah, uh, my first one, she's 10, and the second one, she's 8. Okay. Now, with simulators, you can introduce them to the world of motorsport. Uh, Have they stepped into there? Of course, they already did, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Are they impressing you? Yeah, no, they've been driving pretty good, yeah, because uh, I'm racing, yeah, I put the lines, you know, so they can follow the, the lines and everything, but... Yeah, I mean, when I put the simulation, oh, yeah, that is good. What can we do? Yeah. So, oh, you're going to drive. And uh, so I put them with the screen. I put them with the Oculus to get the full immersion. But, yeah, they, 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 they like it. I don't want to say that they will be like a professional racing car driver. But, yeah, they just enjoy it. And after that, uh, after the simulation, we went to a go-kart place yeah, just to have fun. And it's funny because the, the, the youngest one, yeah, she's like, Two years old, uh, two years uh, earlier, but yeah, she's the crazy one. Yeah, she <laughs> she doesn't break. She's turning, and but it's so funny. Yeah. Oh, indeed, indeed. So, it sounds like they might be asking for a cart in the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have some go karts here yeah, and the speedway, so sometimes we go there and uh, they're having fun. But uh, no, it's it, it's it's funny, yeah, and when you see your uh, your children yeah, driving a go-kart or anything, yeah, everything that you can uh, teach them, yeah, it's so important. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us on Inside Supercars. We'll look forward to a catch-up maybe um, in the Bathurst week and uh, hear of your latest exploits on the west coast of America. Yeah, okay. So, thank, thank you, you very much. After break, our final thoughts for this week. Interestingly, we're getting ready for TCR Round 2. That's at Phillip Island this weekend. There's a great deal of interest in the series, uh, not just from uh, the fans, but competitors, to the point where Garth Tander is now mounting up. And uh, it'll be certainly good to see um, what he's doing there. And uh, so after the break, our final thoughts. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Shell V-Power Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Before our final thoughts for this week's show, here's a chat I had with Chris Pither about both his role in the Winton in the GRM number 33 and also as he gets ready for round two of the TCR with uh, more interest from both fans and competitors, Garth Sander, mounting up this weekend in a new Audi. Welcome to Inside Supercars. I'm with Chris Pither. We're away from a racetrack, but uh, Chris has been extremely busy. Uh, welcome to Inside Supercars. Thank you. Um, you've been busy on a couple of fronts. First one we'll deal with the most recent one, which was, in fact, uh, the Winton, when you got subbed in for Richie Stanaway and his uh, poor neck uh, problems. Um, you'd already had the drive on the Friday, done a few laps but they were wet laps yes yeah, definitely been a busy couple of weeks uh i was going to winton regardless obviously for the co-driver session which would have been my first uh first run in the car this year first time in the basically in a supercar probably since uh newcastle uh end of last season so i was looking forward Where to you that won the super twos championship yeah yep yep which was uh, obviously Fun good memories. so exactly right so i was looking forward to getting back into the into the car and, and having another drive and um unfortunately like winton cozer over session uh, always is it was wet so we had i think one or two laps at the start of the session where it was dry but um we had a few tires we needed to to, to rotate through and, and didn't post a, a lap out the gate so then was just battling around uh, obviously uh, in the rain and uh, it was good to be back in the seat and, and we worked a few things out that we need to, to start thinking about going into the Enduros just with the ergonomics and, and seating position and different things to get it comfortable for myself and Richie. Yeah, you and Richie have known each other a while obviously, a pair of New Zealanders but not really ever sort of hung around or together at all? Uh, we, we've, uh, yeah, we've known each other I guess since 2016, when when Richie drove with me in the in the Super Black Falcon right, yep. as uh, as my co-driver, that was then. his first drive too in supercars, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep, yep. So um, yeah, we've obviously been uh, kicking around since then and and driven together a little bit. So uh, we we know uh, each other pretty well. We know how each other operates. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the enduros, but uh, obviously the the shoes on the other foot this time in terms of the the seating position and bits and pieces in the car. When when I was driving full time, I'm a bit taller than Richie, and um, it wasn't too hard to obviously just put a seat insert in to, to bring him a bit closer and get him comfortable as well. But now it's the opposite way opposite way around. We actually need to bring the seat back for me because I was just too close to the to the steering wheel and pedals, which really compromised my control over the car and and you so know, you didn't have that right for friday did no, you get it right for sunday we did we we did yes so um it was amazing actually how how much of a difference it, it made i i felt really um just unconfident in the car um with that seating position uh, too close I, I obviously sat in the car in the workshop and and thought that 
you know, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too far away. But once you roll out the gate there and, and you start actually having to drive the car and control it at speed, um, it, it was, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't right. So um, when the opportunity um, arose to step into the car on, on Sunday after um, Richie obviously had issues with, the, with his neck, um, the, the GRM Boost Mobile Racing team uh, were, were, were great. They made a good effort to get the car back to, to how I drove it last year. Um, and, and you know, changed the seat over and, and, and repositioned everything to something that I was more familiar with, and I think that gave me a lot more confidence going into Sunday. Yep, okay. Now, you matched in results. Your, your qualifying wasn't right because of that problem. I'd like to actually talk through the, the problem of uh, qualifying in this new format. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, well, I was sort of thrown in the deep end. I, and I guess the, the hard thing, and, and something that a lot of people might not, you know, completely appreciate is just the level of, of uh, ability from all the drivers in the supercar field there's there's no one out there that's uh, that's a hack you know even even, uh, even the guys further back in the field are, are operating at an extremely high level and you can't you can't be at 98 percent and that's how I filled out the gate uh, for the simple fact that I hadn't had the mileage I haven't had the seat time this year um, and, and you know uh, 98% out of the gate I mean I was slightly off the pace I didn't maximise the lap and, and the qualifying uh, format the way it is now with the with the three uh, sectors meant that um, in a 10 minute window at Winton with two sets of tyres to run uh, you ultimately only get two set, uh, two flying laps on one set of tyres and one flying lap on the other and um, I banked two flyers on the first set of tyres to, to get a lap on the board and um, you know, the second set of tyres, I should have improved, and with one flying lap, I, I, I wasn't able to maximise it straight away. So um, the the end result was disappointing, but at the same time, I, I knew I could go a whole lot faster than what I did, and it was a learning process, and we, we took that into the race, and that's uh, ultimately what um, gave us some direction for the race as well. We knew we were going to build throughout the day, and, and we sort of uh, planned planned according to that, and, and it worked out pretty well. But ultimately, what I what I wanted to to highlight was just the as I mentioned, the level of ability out there. And as I said, I was probably at I felt confident out of the gate, but I might have only been operating at a ninety eight sort of percent mark where that the guys at the front of the field are 100% every single lap. The guys in the mid-pack might be 99%. So um, everyone's operating at a high level and, and you can't afford to be slightly, slightly, um, you know, uncomfortable or unconfident um, or you won't be, uh, won't be where you want to be. And, and that only comes from seat time and the seat time bring that, brings that confidence to find that uh, last couple of percent. Well, the racer in you actually showed that you took 33 in ZB um, to its best matching, the best race position for the car this year. So that's at least, you know, reaching that level is, is what you want to achieve. 100%, yeah. I was, uh, I was pretty happy. I guess if, if we chatted about, uh, about it before the race, I would have um, uh, taken that result if you said 14th was on the table. And, and to have a, a race like we did, I guess it was, um, you know, a clean race. We, we didn't have any issues. Uh, pit stops were, were clean and uh, it was Gold Coast last year uh, when I had to drive into a into a pit box uh, in, in race conditions. So um, you know it was all those little things, and and, and you have to maximise that because it's hard. It's really easy to drop a second or half a second 
just uh, not not being confident into the pit lane or into the pit box. So all that stuff, uh, you know, adds up. And to find a second in lap time on the track uh, is, is is really challenging. So um, I need to try and maximise that all sort of uh, aspect of the race as best as I could. And and I think. Um, the simple fact that we moved forward from 25th to 14th probably suggests that we, uh, you know, we were, we were fairly consistent. We didn't make any major mistakes, causing any any substantial time losses, and um, I think we, yeah, came out of it fairly fairly happy. I think everyone, you know, um, within the team, you know, the guys that, that made it possible for me to to, to drive and, and put the effort in to get the senior position right, and 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 uh, and uh, patches for the for the. You know, the strategy played a part in it as well. It all, all sort of came together and I think uh, contributed to a solid result. Yeah, who's engineering your car? Richard Holloway's uh, engineering 33 still. Yep. Um, so, You've got a uh, very experienced man. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. A lot of experience. And I enjoyed working with him last year as well uh, throughout the Pertic Enduro Cup. Uh, so I understand how he operates, and 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 obviously he's had some experience working with me as well. And that relationship between driver and engineer is critical, um, so that you know when you're trying to articulate certain things, they can uh, they they can feed off it and, and send the car down the right right okay. uh, right path. Now I don't want you to give away any uh, insider information, but have you heard how Richie? I mean, I understand he's not going for surgery. I haven't heard, to be honest. Um, right. I, I'm not too sure. The plan, the plan was uh, for him to get in straight away and get an MRI and work out what the actual issue was, and then look at um, look at treatment options from there. But uh, so far as uh, I'm aware, they would, you know, Richard will be in the car at Darwin, and uh, and they'll be doing everything everything they can to make him comfortable and and, and progress, uh, you know, for his championship. And your next uh, drive co-drive session? Uh, next co-drive practice session will be at Tail and Bend. Um, to You've circuit, been to Tail and Bend. I have. I have been to Tail and Bend. I uh, had a lot of fun there last year in the Toyota uh, 86. Yep. And uh, it all was going pretty well until there was a uh, an issue with the driver in the last race, which uh, uh, sent him down the pack a little bit. But uh, <laughs> right. uh, it was a whole lot of fun. I really enjoyed driving the driving the the 86 around the circuit, and, and uh, looking forward to having my first run in a supercar there as well. It's an exciting track and. Um, Unique as well. I think the grip level is a little bit different there, and the surface obviously different. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to doing some laps uh, shortly. Right. We'll be back with Rich after the break to talk more about TCR. So welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're talking with Chris Pither, and we're talking about TCR. Um, obviously, you've had the opening round at Sydney Motorsport Park uh, two weeks ago, and coming up this weekend is Phillip Island. Um, you're enjoying the process of uh, this new category? Yeah, definitely are. It's, it's exciting uh, driving the, the Renault Megane RS with, with GRM. Um, haven't done a whole lot of laps yet, apart from obviously Sydney Motorsport Park. We had uh, one test day prior to that, but uh, unfortunately we've had a few reliability issues, which has probably uh, limited our track times to some degree, but there's a lot of potential there. The category is exciting first round was great a lot of people a lot of interest a lot of uh, unique interest there and uh, yeah looking forward to getting back in the car this weekend at Phillip Island now talking about limited that's one thing you mentioned before about the uh, Magans they're a limited run as well yeah they haven't uh, got a big presence in TCR internationally at the moment Uh, there's about four cars running around the world in, in the current spec same as what we uh, are running here. So our two and another couple in the Euro Series. Uh, so in terms of um, data and information, it, it, it's fairly limited. Uh, ultimately, we're developing a new car uh, in, in the process. So it's a little bit unique um, when you look at other 
manufacturers yeah, the in, cars the, in, there, yeah. in, in the field. And tell me, uh, these cars are built uh, on behalf of Renault, and who are they made by? Vukovic Motorsport. Okay. So the the Renault Megane RS is uh, obviously only the four of them around the world, but the, the quality of the build from Vukovic Motorsport is, is really, really good. The cars look great. The finish is really good. And uh, I think they've got good ingredients. It's just a matter of us getting, a, getting our heads around the, the setup of the car a little bit better, uh, improving the reliability, and I'm confident that we can start moving up the field. Now, you've raced production cars. I mean, things like the 6-hour or 12-hour and things like that. Um, and you've obviously raced, you know, full-bred supercars and GTs. These are somewhere in between, aren't they? They're pretty unique to drive, to be honest. Uh, they're exciting. They, they're sort of on edge, and you have to drive them quite aggressively to be fast. Uh, the, the biggest difference, ultimately, is the fact they're front-wheel drive. Yep. They've got around 350 brake horsepower front-wheel drive. Um, so the driving style is quite unique, in, in a complete opposite to a supercar, really. Supercar, the key is always to keep the nose of the car loaded as much as possible to the apex to help the car turn. Um, whereas with the TCR car um, I found and, and potentially due to our setup to some degree and it might be an area we need to need to improve but they actually responded to keeping the rear of the car more loaded on the corner entry um, so that was really highlighted through Turn 1 at Sydney Motorsport Park if I went in there with too much brake um, like you typically would drive a supercar on uh, on the entry to the turn, I'd, I'd lose the rear quite quickly. So I needed to keep the rear of the car loaded to keep it settled. So that's something that I have to adapt to as well. But ultimately, the car's exciting to drive. It's left-hand drive. Um, it's the only TC, TCR car which is a stick shift. So uh, that's a little bit unique. It uh, makes you feel like you're really driving the car, and but ultimately it's it's fun, and I'm looking forward to having a having a run at Phillip Island. Renault have made historically competitive cars, no matter what category they're in. Um, and while uh, you had you know, a reasonable sort of result, wasn't great results at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, um, and they're doing something about it because there's some weight adjustments to it. Is that going to make a difference, do you think? Yeah, so at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, we, yeah, we had a few problems uh, with my car on, on Sunday, which hurt our results, I, I guess, in race, uh, races two and three. The way it ultimately works and with the, the individual series around the world is obviously the, the balance of performance is set internationally, mm-hmm. but then uh, each series has its own success ballast. I think that's the best way to probably describe yep. it. And uh, with our results, it's resulted in uh, us being able to take a little bit of weight out of the car for the next round. Um, I don't know if we can take out the amount of weight that uh, that uh, has been stipified, but We'll, uh, we'll take out what ballast we do have in the car and, and that should make a small difference. You'll get a run on that car, what, on Friday or Thursday? We've got two practice sessions on Friday afternoon. Right. So it's ultimately a three-day event. Two practice sessions, Friday Arvo, qualifying race one Saturday, races two and three on Sunday. And it's a progressive grid in each race. Yes, it is. Yeah, which, you know, in some ways is good because you, you then can obviously uh, move yourself forward if you've not got a car that's the best qualified. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good format, and, and uh, it rewards smart driving as well. There's more points up for grabs for race three, so you want to focus on, uh, you know, even if you don't qualify where you, we would like to be or where you could be, if you manage to move up during uh, races one and two, you could put yourself in a good position to bag some points in the in the final race of the weekend. Now, don't say, see if you know you've seen the news that uh, you've got a new contender this weekend, one of your old teammates, in fact, Mr. Tander. 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's great for the category at the end of the day. There's a lot of interest in it. I think it's even built uh, off the back of the first round at Sydney Motorsport Park, and um, there's talk of a number of new cars uh, coming into the series, uh, and obviously new drivers as well, one of them being Garth Tander. So to, to have someone with, with his profile um, jump at the opportunity to to move into the series is, is great and uh, looking forward to sort of sharing a car with them, going wheel to wheel with them. So today you've got another four or five rounds of uh, TCR you've got your Enduro Cup, what other driving, uh, you, you mentioned that you've been interstate for a few trips Yeah, so ultimately uh, in terms of the racing you've, you've uh, covered that Pertic Enduro Cup and TCR for the moment uh, and then in between race events, I'm, I'm pretty busy with uh, with different drive events so it could be one-on-one uh, coaching with other racing drivers I help a couple of guys out in Toyota 86s uh, it could be a manufacturer drive event or uh, or even um, the Super 2 rounds which I attend and, and do data and driver coaching for Dylan O'Keefe and, and Mason Barbera who are driving the two uh, GRM Dunlop Series cars so there is a fair bit going on uh, fair few days away from home but it's all uh, it's all good fun and just loving being involved with it all still and and looking forward to the next time i get in the seat and race all right well thank you for talking to us chris and we look forward to catch up with you this weekend at phillip island thanks a lot see you there our final thoughts for this week craig yours my final thought is how how difficult is it when you have almost a month's break between each race and that's what we're going into now uh, i know who has a the journalist among us would be saying it's hard to keep the pages or the clicks going in a situation like this but um, it's also hard to enthuse a public too and uh, both sides of the supercar divide are trying to come to grips with what might be in 2020 where long breaks could be a very familiar part of the new calendar. It certainly is, and uh, I'll be using my in-betweens to keep an interest in the TCR series. That's certainly something that keeps my interest up. But I suppose also turning my uh, attention to the Northern Hemisphere and racing that's coming up there, Le Mans in a couple of weeks' time, and certainly plenty more in the world of motorsports. So that's it for another week of Inside Supercars from Tony Whitlock and... Craig Ravel. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.